a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. So, uh, if you guys would put mega the mega crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word, fastest, keep it mediocre, mediocre and hilarious. Crushing the hopes and dreams of listeners thinking that we discontinued doing Table Talk Radio. I know, I know. They're like, oh, finally, it stopped. No, no, we're back. Well, you you sound like you're coming from further away now. It's interesting. It really? Yeah. Do I sound like I'm from Texas? You do. I'm learning yeah. sign language, and I'm trying to figure out how that's going to be helpful for Table Talk. Our listeners will be like, could you please just sign the next segment? I, I think that is the most amazing idea I've ever heard of. You could have <laughs> a sign language podcast. In fact, why don't you exclusively do your part of the show, your commentary in sign language, and I'll, I'll, I'll address those listeners of ours who can hear. <laughs> I think that's I'm a good responding <laughs> parentheses. I'm responding in sign language. Parentheses. It was brilliant. Uh, how's that going? I mean, uh, I mean learning sign language is like learning a whole new language. Have you ever done it any is. sign language before? Is this new nope. to you? It's new. Totally new. Apparently nope. I'm picking it up quick. Now for those Although my son who don't... Andrew is making fun of me the whole time. Andrew, you know that Andrew? Uh, he knows the sign language. He's been taking it in school. So I'm funny. sitting there trying to learn sign language and he's there mocking me the whole time in sign language. <laughs> Yeah, Talk, making jokes about how dumb I am to all the other and, people. And I'm and like, what know, are you saying? You, hey. That's right. And they're all laughing and pointing. And that sounds like fun. Now, we should explain uh, why the sign language, uh, for those who yeah, don't know. I'm, uh, I'm now the pastor of two congregations, St. Paul Lutheran Church in Austin, Texas, and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Church, also in Austin, Texas. It's a dual parish. One's a kind of big church, and the other's a small church, the Jesus Deaf Lutheran is uh, connected to the Austin School for the Deaf. And so uh, I'm preaching over there, and all that stuff is is now translated because, or interpreted, I should say, because I, d I don't know the sign language. I mean, I know, like, I don't even know when I'm being mocked by my own son. <laughs> but but uh, uh, I'm learning. I'm starting to pick that up. And so hopefully, you know, a couple of years, I'll be able to uh, to teach a little bit and have conversations in sign language. It's amazing to me that the deaf community is the least evangelized of all people groups in the world. I mean, it's like between one and two percent of people who are deaf are Christian. Hmm. And um, I mean, that's as low a percentage as you can get. You p pick up any other designation and it's so. So there's a lot of work to be done to bless the that community with the gospel. There's a huge school for the deaf here in Austin, Texas, like 10,000 students just south of the river, where north of town is the University of Texas, where with 50,000 students, which is huge, but 10,000 students, can you imagine? Deaf students, so there's a huge mission field, and we're trying to 
figure out what we can do to be helpful down here. So just right. started. I've been here just now. It's July, so I preached twice, and now I'm going to Sweden. Do you know that, by the way? I'm going to Sweden on Saturday, so ah. we we can't record again next week. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the memo on that. appreciate that. You're welcome. You're uh, welcome. Yeah. That, that, that's how I usually find out that we're not recording as you're on the way to the airport, I think. <laughs> Thanks for everyone, who, uh, for the patience. I mean, this has been kind of nutty. Yeah. Uh, this summer, moving and going to Spain. Have I even told you about the Spain stuff? Oh no, man! You went I to speak Spain? Spanish now too. Hola, como está? Now, now that's how they say como está in Spain. <laughs> it sounds funny when you're not in Spain. But Could you when you're learn... not in Barcelona, it sounds funny to say Barcelona. Could you learn Spanish sign language too? There is Mexican sign language and I think <laughs> Spanish sign language. Two, di- I'm serious, two different because the sign language that we learn here is ASL, American oh, sign wow, language, wow. and each community has different. Different um, signs. It's kind Dialects, of amazing. if you will. Well, I think they're a whole different. <laughs> but it seems like it would have made a lot of sense to <clears throat> synchronize our sign language across language barriers. But I don't know. Well, you know what would have also made a lot of sense is to not have different languages. Yeah. I mean, why don't we just synchronize our Eng- our speaking language across every different I wonder language. if they thought of that when they were building a big tower years ago. <laughs> Someone like someone should have thought of that we, a long time ago. Do we realize how terrible it's going to be when we can't speak languages to each other? I mean, that's going to be awful. Someone told how, me, how by the way, that is this tower anyway. <laughs> one of the things with the Tower of Babel was they wanted to build it so high that they would be able to escape the the flood that if it came again. Oh, interesting. Have you ever thought about that? I've never heard. No. Interesting. I had never thought about that either. Hmm. I thought that was also inter- like you. I said that's interesting. Hmm. Anyway. All right. Well, we should probably get to our show. Uh, I thought that's what we're doing. It starts with buzzwords. Do you have a buzzword? I do. My buzzword for you is enthusiasm. Ah, My favorite. Is that going to be your buzzword? Enthusiasm is, it means internal spirituality. It means putting, it it means the chief theater of divine activity or spiritual blessings happens on the inside of us, not on the outside of us. The internal word one way or another looking for the internal word and luther remember that guy martin luther he says the chief that the root of every heresy is enthusiasm putting god on the inside so it doesn't we we knew mean enthusiasm like uh hey that's exciting you're enthusiastic but uh this is a theological definition enthusiasm i'm gonna start using buzzwords that have overlap into the theolo- theological realm, but I'm going to use their other meaning. So, like, enthusiasm, anthropology, and then you're going to think I'm going to be talking about the theological anthropology and be like, no, studying the University of Aborigines. Oh, I like see. That. Yeah. So I, that'd be like you. You could use your buzzword today, enthusiasm, and it means really excited. Right, right, right. But that's boring. Uh, I, on the <laughs> other hand, have listeners doing my show prep for me. So Daniel writes in with a buzzword for me from Westminster, Colorado, and the buzzword is ichthus. This is great. Wow. I don't even have to do show prep anymore. But ichthus is a Greek word. It means... What do you mean anymore? Oh, yeah. Sorry. That that does seem to imply that I used to do show prep. That's like that the, the big debate about the virginity of Mary. Remember the until in the... Hey, just because it says not Anyhow, let's continue, please, with ichthus. Okay, so <laughs> ichthus is a Greek word that means fish. So you know the little Jesus fish emblems you see on people's cars and all that? Yeah. Uh, apparently the early church, under the time of persecution, would use that as sort of a, uh, what do they call that? Um, I heard about that. An indicator, a sig- signal. Yeah, so to, to, secret. to, to communicate 
that uh, one Christian is speaking to another under persecution. So this is why I think when you go look for a plumber and you look at the guy's business card, there's a little fish on there. He's trying to say, hey, buddy, I'm a Christian. Yeah, that's right. You should hire me. I'm a great plumber and I'm a Christian. Uh, But the the acronym uh, is, if I get this right, Jesus Christ. uh, God's son. God's Theus. son, yeah, yeah, Theus. Who else? That's right. So, uh, Jesus Christ, God's son. So, so Savior, Soterion. <clears throat> That's the sus in the right, right, right. Yeah, so, this. yep. Okay, so how come I'm helping you? With, can I get points for helping you with your buzzword? You know, Daniel, you need to provide a little bit more information for me on these emails. <laughs> <laughs> I need a little bit more show prep. <laughs> I do. It was it was back there somewhere in the little gray cells, just kind of lost a little bit. All right. Mm-hmm. So here's the show for today. Um, I've been storing up these emails from listeners writing in, so now I have an entire show uh, prep for us to do today. We're going to do some Ten Commandments in the news. We're going to do some preaching to Hollywood, and we have a ton of bumper stickers and shirt signs to get through uh, with our voicemail system. So let's just get after it right away, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, This is an interesting article. It says, owners of Noah's Ark replica sue insurers over rain damage says the owners of a replica of Noah's Ark featured at the Ark Encounter in Williamstown, Kentucky, sue its insurers for refusing to cover rain damage. The Ark's owners said heavy rains in 2017 and 18 caused a landslide on the property and that its uh, five insurance carriers refused to cover damages totaling ne- nearly $1 million. The Ark itself was reported undamaged in the rains. The Ark Encounter is asking for compensatory and punitive damages, and a trial jury in a lawsuit filed in the U.S. District Court. The suit names Swiss Space Allied World Assurance Company holding its company and three other carriers. So, uh, what do you think of that? I think it's great. I mean, you know, but the poor uh, poor guys at the Ark Encounter, I mean, (laughs) I like those guys. I like Ken Ham. Apparently, but the, but the atheists, boy, the atheists, they hate the Ark Encounter. In fact, I was listening on the way to church this morning to some atheist, Austin atheist podcast, and the guy was talking about how he went out to the to Kentucky to protest. They they have an annual protest at the Ark Encounter. Nice. Good heavens. I heard imagine? somewhere that um, when they were building the Tower of Babel, it was uh, to avoid another flood. I don't remember where I heard that. Interesting. That's an interesting idea. But but I think, though, that, I mean, there's something to that. Like, atheists could probably go protest at any number of thousands and thousands of churches around the world, but there's this ark sitting mm-hmm. out there in Kentucky, and that seems to be a stark reminder of some past unfortunate event. Right. That's right. <laughs> I haven't been... I would like to go to the Ark Encounter. I think it'd be kind of cool to see it. But I've looked at. But you know, you if I mean, if you hang around atheists for like five minutes, they're they're all blasting the thing. They all go and visit with their cell phones, and they they love to take these pictures of the empty parking lot and all this sort of stuff. And they love to mock the Ark Encounter. And it's a museum for heaven's sakes. It's not an actual Ark. What? <laughs> it's like. Oh, brother. All so, right. of course, it's they're going to have insurance and flood damage. And, I mean, yep, that, those right. things are going to happen. But any ironic nonetheless. All right, we need to take a break. We'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio after this. Stay tuned through the break.
In the seven months that we haven't been recorded, did you update the other bumps? No. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. This is most certainly true. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. All right, so someone in Kentucky builds an ark. It rains, uh, gets damaged, and... He did build an ark. What do you mean? (laughs) It's an ark museum. (laughs) And, And I think it's great. And also, it's like, well, the ark wasn't actually damaged. It was the road to the ark that got, like, washed out by a... See, you're, you're one of these. It's kind of ironic. You're one of these people who reads the article and comprehends what it says. I'm just kind of a headlines kind of a fellow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, you do. I mean, but look, part of it, part of being a Christian is to make yourself. When you say you're going to be a a Christian, you're going to make yourself the butt of the devil's jokes. That's the. I think there's this whole big fight about shame, and it has to do with. It's a, it's a, there's a, there's a theological fight about mockery. Remember this Psalm, is it Psalm number four, where David says how he's complaining to the enemies and he says, how long will you turn my glory into shame? Remember that part? Mm-hmm. And this is this devil, the, the devil's mockery strategy where he comes at us and he doesn't actually... He just, he makes us embarrassed about the things we should be most proud of. He makes us embarrassed about being Christians. So there's there's something that we should be proud of about the ark. Like, hey, there's this man, Noah, who was a bit of a hero. And he built a boat that was able to contain all of the animals of the world. And God rescued them. I mean, there's, there's something really there that God is taking care of the animals while all the people are being judged. And... And, you know, Noah, can you imagine building this thing? It should be something that that we should, in fact, rejoice over, this great heroic act. Noah should be the hero, like, for every architect, every scientist, every botanist, every person who goes to the zoo, So all so, that stuff. But instead we mock Noah. Goodness. So when Ken Ham builds an ark and he gets mocked for it, it's kind of like, eh, it's been done before. I know how this one ends. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what everyone else is doing when Noah built the ark. That's right. <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, Ten Commandments in this story. Yeah. You know the. You remember how Peter, when he's talking about the second coming, and he says, he says people say, "Well, look, today's just like yesterday, and yesterday was an awful lot like the day before. So, therefore, tomorrow will be like today." And they just assume that. And what does Peter say? They forget the flood. <laughs> there was a there was one time a big tomorrow that was not like today, hmm. when it started raining and it just did not stop and everybody drowned. And uh, and so the the flood stands as this judgment of God over human wickedness. It's profound. So well, uh, here, so there, that's a first commandment thing. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Continue, and then I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this question. Go There's ahead. also a seventh commandment it has to do with insurance. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what road construction has to do with. That's probably fifth commandment. Shouldn't you should make safe roads? Mm-hmm. Is that it? 
Yeah, I think so. Third Commandment's preaching. It's a preaching place. I don't know. What else? What do you think? Uh, that's good. I was going to ask you this question, though. Um, that, uh, you know, First Corinthians, this is one of those passages in Scripture I, I've never really uh, known how to deal with. And it's, you know, First Corinthians 6, where where Paul uh, uh, says that we should not bring lawsuits against one another uh, you know so so some people have uh, some people have said then that Christians can't sue or something like this and here you have this um, organization suing insurance companies uh, how are we to take that passage of first Corinthians is it is it saying that Christians cannot bring lawsuits whatsoever or that Christians just cannot bring lawsuits against fellow Christians or is it even more nuanced than that uh, it, I, I think it's probably a slightly more nuanced than that, but the, but the basic idea is Paul says, look, you're suing each other. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should, if there's Christian brothers, they should be able to sort that self stuff out without going to the court. Mm -hmm. uh, alas, in this fallen world, that's just, that just doesn't work out. But you know, there's not, Christians go to court all the time. Uh, Paul was, I mean, he was in court for like half of his ministry. Now, I don't think he was taking people there. He was being, he was being brought there, but you know this this is a it's probably a an estate sort of thing so so some judgments belong in the church and other judgments belong in the family and and some judgments belong with the state and we simply need to, to let the appropriate judging thing um do their judgment work paul says this is where the paul has this amazing statement he says do you not realize that you will judge the angels mm -hmm. and the, and the idea for saint paul now, 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 here's maybe where the, the rubber will hit the road on this text. The idea for St. Paul is that the Christian should be wise. There should be a treasure house of wisdom in the Christian church that probably doesn't even exist in the secular courts. So when you mm. want wisdom, you, you guys are going to the court out there when you, you should have it yourself. So Yeah, yeah, good. All right, I think that's it for that one. Here's another one from Fox News. Correct is the mother you just saw in that video, and she joins us tonight from Philadelphia. Ashley, thanks very much for coming on. Um, what you you were there in the video with three girls? I think two of them are yours. How old are they? So my daughters are 15 and 13, and my daughter's friend who is with us is also 15. I should probably set this up a little bit. The headline is. Uh, Planned Parenthood protester harassed by Democrat lawmaker speaks out. So that's what this is. Okay, that sounds exciting. 15 and 13. What did they think of this? Uh, it, it, was a sh it was a shocking experience. Um, I, what, what is not seen in that video was our first interaction with uh, Mr. Sims. He approached us about 20 minutes before that, um, came in. I would say he came in hot. He came in yelling at us um, and really was yelling very directly at the girls, very specifically at the girls. So I uh, moved myself in between him and the girls asked him, you know, please talk to me. Let's let's have a conversation, the two of us as two adults. Um, but he continued to, to yell at the girls. Um, and then eventually he left. And about 10 minutes later is when he came back videotaping us. So after our first altercation with him, I, you know, came, went and talked to my girls and told them, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry this happened. I'm really proud of you guys for being here. Um, it was Holy Thursday. That This was something we wanted to do to as, as a prayerful act of service as we prepared for 
the Easter Triduum, which was going to begin that night with um, Holy Thursday Mass. And I told them, I was, you know, sometimes it's hard to do the right thing, but I was really proud of them. Um, sadly, ironically, the two older girls looked at me and said, Mom, um, that was nothing compared to what people were screaming at us at the March for Life in January. They went to the March for Life with their high school. So I, I guess I was grateful that they had had some experience before. They were prepared for it. And because they were able to kind of stay calm, that helped my younger daughter stay calm. Um, and, you know, we, I, we prayed for him then. I said, we'll continue to pray for him and um, just try to do the right thing. And so then he came back again, videotaping us. Um, it was, we, we weren't as shocked because we just had an interaction with him right. about 10 minutes prior. All right, so that's that. So here, uh, this family decides to go and uh, do a little. You know, it's Holy Thursday. What better thing to do on Holy Thursday than to protest uh, Planned Parenthood, and then is uh, confronted by a Democratic lawmaker. Uh, and so, what is interesting to me about that quick little uh, interview uh, is that the daughter said, "Eh, that's nothing." <laughs> you, you should have been at the march for life. That's when it really got bad. That's amazing. <laughs> but I think this maybe goes a little bit to speak similarly to what you said earlier that that you know, Christians are kind of putting themselves as the as the the butt of the devil's jokes. Um, I think also when you when you stand for things like we shouldn't be killing babies, um, there are people who are pretty committed to the cause who will now see you as the enemy. Right. It's this it's back to this glory shame thing. It's a it's like a glory shame inversion. So if there's if there's abortions happening, that should be that should be cause for deep shame. And yet now we have to be ashamed of of saying, no, hey, why don't we not kill the babies anymore? <laughs> you know, I mean, that what kind of weird sort of inversion is there people like to talk about this with the kingdom of god jesus flips everything on its head but the devil's doing the same sort of thing with the ten commandments he flips it on its head so now we're supposed to be ashamed for standing outside the the planned parenthood saying don't hey why don't you guys not kill any babies today uh and and now you get to get mocked for that ridiculed for that you're supposed to be ashamed of that how dare you do that that's this is i've been watching some of these conf conflicts outside planned parenthood i gotta figure out how to go out there and stand in front and do that but these these videos about it and the the the, the pro-abortion crowd always comes out there and says how dare you how dare you how dare you? <laughs> like what how dare you what tell a woman what they to do with their own body or how dare you whatever i mean it's it's just the craziest thing um that that now we're supposed to what be be ashamed of, of I don't know. Well, I mean, and other things as well. Uh, you, I, this is a kind of an old story, but um, the guy that started um, the company that does Firefox, uh, Mozilla, I think is how you pronounce it. Oh yeah, I kind of um, used to like that thing. How come I don't use it anymore? I don't know, but he he started this this company. He was a CEO of the company, and then he donated money to a cause for California's Prop 8. Now, if you remember, that was the uh, that was the ballot measure that defined marriage as a man and a woman in California. It's actually the, the one that ended up in the Supreme Court. Because he had donated money to Prop 8, he was chased out of the company, <laughs> the company that he started. Uh, so, I mean, just something as donating to a cause that says, hey, marriage is 
something that is between a man and a woman, that'll get you kicked out of your very own company. Crazy. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. More Table Talk right after this. Ah, the classics. Table Talk Radio. Unscripted, unprepared, unashamed. So I've kicked up the Wolfmuller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time. And to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolfmuller. Wolfmuller1 is the channel name. See you there. You probably had that song stuck in your head all the way through Spain, I'm guessing. All right, so before the break, we were listening to a quick interview uh, about a woman who took her kids on Holy Thursday to protest around a Planned Parenthood. They were confronted by a Democratic lawmaker um, and... uh, with the, with, you know, she was there with what? her girlfriend. How in so, the world? Remember how we used to have the guy named Bill Clinton, and he said that, um, what did he say? Safe, that abortion legal and should rare. be, yeah, and rare, you know. And how, and, and there was a sentiment that abortion's like, ah, man, it's just, it's like, I don't know, we got, it's got, it's like a last ditch resort. But now it's, I saw this. It's like the first choice. It's like, hey, why don't we? This is their first option, like the best option. It's crazy how much we hate kids these days, and babies, and moms, and wombs, and life. Crazy, and we're supposed to be a little bit embarrassed about it. Like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. like shame so on that you. here's a Democratic yeah. lawmaker, and he's going to go out and yell, and yell, and be angry at the people protesting outside Planned Parenthood. <laughs> what? I mean, in what universe are we living? Oh man, it's just wild. Mm-hmm. So Ten Commandments, though. Uh, okay, so don't kill babies. That's part of the Fifth Commandment, where it says you shouldn't kill anybody. I think we should probably include babies on that list of everybody. And um, so that's a big one. And then the lawmakers and elected officials, that'd probably be the Fourth Commandment, realizing that the government is an extension of the family, and so it probably shouldn't see to the destruction of the family. <laughs> that's that's interesting. <laughs> you're destroying the entity in which your authority derives. <laughs> I think free speech has to do with the Eighth Commandment. I don't know why these government, these guys are, don't they realize when someone is not aborted, then they have another constituent? <laughs> well, th- Maybe I they mean. they just don't want the extra work. That point has been made. I mean, it's it's common. Of course, it's not exclusively true, but it's pretty common that you um, hold the political views of your parents just because of the values and virtues you grow up with. And so uh, it's been pointed out how um, people's political views are, are, are kind of leaning more pro-life now. And the uh, I don't know, assumption or the assertion was is that part of it is because uh, those who would normally be raising pro-abortion kids aren't having <laughs> kids. I mean, they're killing off those who would agree with their political viewpoint. So 
Yeah. I know it. It's like the it's it, it, the secularists have the only one option, and that is to convert people to their view because they're not going to grow demographically. Mm. You know. Yeah. I mean, even the secular married couples aren't having babies, and it's very difficult for the first two guys to have a baby. Right. Very so, difficult. So oftentimes they they uh, they outsource uh, voters. <laughs> right. And it's and if you're if you're switching over from being a dude to a lady. Yeah. It's it's making it very complicated now. <laughs> have you seen all this stuff? How do, we could have one of these news stories where all these people. What well, this happened in the Democratic debate where they were talking about how they need how governmental health care, single payer health care needs to provide abortion for transgender women, <laughs> which which is means a dude. What kind of this is like. It's like it's not even a real world anymore. It's like we've all like said, "Hey, let's just everybody pretend like we're crazy." But you know what interests me okay. about this though is that uh, that's the world I see when I turn on the news, when I watch you know presidential debates, this kind of thing. It's not the world I see in my day to day. I mean, do you when you're walking around, even if you're walking around, uh, where are you now? Austin, remember? Austin. Yeah, yeah. Keep Austin. Austin weird, right? Even if you're walking around Austin. Is it your experience that people are arguing for uh, uh, single-payer health care to pay for transgendered abortions? I mean, in what un- I mean, it's only in things like the news or a pres- Democratic presidential mm-hmm. debate. Mm-hmm. I know. It's like uh, let's. So that's this is it. It's the, it is the media world is the crazy world, but they're trying to. <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, you're right. When you go to the Home Depot, there's not a lot of people out there, like a lot of pregnant men wanting <laughs> you to buy their abortion. There's, in fact, what very a, few of those guys. What a phenomenon. All right. Uh, is the Sixth Commandment what? involved in this one? I, I, think... I, I imagine every time you got okay. a baby, you got some I sort didn't... of Sixth Commandment thing happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, most of the time. Now, I don't know. I mean, you can order them on Amazon, I guess, for the men. I, how does how does this work? Can the guy can a transgender lady order a womb yet? Can you get know. one implanted? I, don't know. I think does this is this now this might be not for the kids. Is it when you are a man wanting to become a lady, or a lady wanting to become a man? Do, do, that just mostly me, means removing parts. It doesn't mean adding things, does it? Because you, it's be difficult to like I don't know where you would get. I think we should move on. All right, okay. so uh, we're going to go to some preaching to Hollywood. Now, this is preaching to Hollywood of a different kind. Now, normally when we do preaching to Hollywood, we're listening to a song, and we uh, speak to the artist, the the singer, perhaps. This yeah. is a YouTube video, and it comes from PragerU. You know PragerU? Oh. Okay. All right, so we're going to yeah. listen to a little PragerU, and the, the title of this video is called Why God is a He. Oh. All right, so here's, here's PragerU. Huh. One of the criticisms many people make against the Bible is that it depicts God in male terms. The most obvious example is God is referred to as He. Why did the Bible do this? Well, here's the answer. Because the Bible is preoccupied with making a kinder, less violent, more just world. If you share these goals, and I suspect you do, then you'll have to agree the Bible made the right decision. Before I explain, however, I need to add an obvious caveat. The God of the Bible is neither male nor female. 
God transcends gender. What I'm talking about here is why God is depicted in male terms in the Bible. Gender-wise, the Bible had three choices, masculine, he, feminine, she, or neuter, it. We can readily rule out neuter. For one thing, neuter nouns don't exist in Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament, which, after all, first introduced this God to us. For another, the biblical God is a personal God to whom we can and must relate, and we cannot relate to, let alone obey or love, an it. Aside from the language issue, the Bible depicts God in masculine terms because, one, the Hebrew Bible's primary concern is making a good world, two, a good world can only be achieved by making good people, and three, the people who commit nearly all the world's violence are males. Therefore, it is in both men's and women's interests to depict God in the masculine. Here's why. Without a father or some other male rule-giver, young men are likely to do great harm. If there is no male authority figure to give a growing boy rules, it is very difficult for him to control his wilder impulses. As President Barack Obama told an audience in 2008, children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. All right, I'm going to pause it there. So the, the, wow. there's a lot to chew on there. Uh, so basically the reason the, the Lord revealed himself to us in the Scriptures using masculine terms is to create a positive male authority figure for the training of men and, and preventing violence. What do you think? Interesting, isn't it? Hmm. So what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I... Uh, maybe the, uh, there's there's probably some truth to what he's saying. Um, I, I think... I think. I mean, the, obviously, if Barack Obama said the statistics... Well, you know who I, who I usually hear quote that from a Barack Obama is... Um, is uh, what's his name? Ryan Anderson. Um, yeah, he wrote that book. Uh, what is marriage, man, woman, a defense? And he yeah. he very simply points out um, if if that's true about fathers that Barack Obama said, then aren't we automatically doing our children a disservice to define marriage as say something that could be between a woman and a woman? So so Barack Obama can't have it both ways. He can't say marriage is equally valid as a woman and a woman, and at the same time, children without fathers are more likely to end up in prison. I mean, which which way do you want it? Um, so that was a great point by Ryan Anderson. But um, but I, I think where where uh, Prager then starts here is already problematic, that the, the purpose of the Bible is basically to create good people and to prevent violence. Um, now, does the Bible in some way serve that purpose? I suppose it does. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that as our society is becoming uh, less and less interested in religion and what the Bible has to say that we're seeing more and more violence. I do think there's a correlation between those two things. However, is it is it then safe to say that the reason God gives us the Bible is to keep us safe and to prevent violence? I think that's a very short-sighted view of the Bible. Right. Do you know? I, I got an idea too. I'm gonna, but let me ramp this up a little bit. I I noticed one time I was working on a Bible study. Thirty seconds before. Okay. You so I'll start. Okay. Um, so we were working on a Bible study. Pictures of the church in the Bible, and we got, came up with a bunch of images, like um, 
like the husband and the wife, the bride and the bridegroom, or the, the cornerstone and the temple, or the vineyard and the, the vine and the branches, or um, all of these pictures, they, and the sheep and the shepherd, and they were all both in the Old Testament and, the, and also the New Testament. But there was one that was only in the New Testament, and it was the, the body and the head. And I was meditating on why that image of the church and God is only in the, Old Testament, in the New Testament, not the New. And then I realized it's because in the New Testament, God has a body. And I think there's something that has to do with God being Father that we really need to hone in on Jesus to, to understand. Very long introduction to get to the point. i got to still make it on the other side. Okay. I'll be waiting for the point right after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't you just hate it when your underwear bunches up and your socks get all droopy? This is Table Talk Radio. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. All right, we're back. Uh, all right, before the break, Pastor Wilson, you were talking about these pictures that the Lord gives us throughout the scriptures, husband and wife. Uh, but there's this one uh, of a head and body, which doesn't appear to the New Testament. Uh, so what's your point here? Well, the, my point is that it's interesting, is it not, that Prager is a Jewish fellow who would deny um, that God, in fact, has a son, <laughs> that, that Jesus is the son of God. He would say, talk about God being kind of essentially monistic. Mm. There's not the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Judaism. That's, that's probably the essential doctrine of Judaism is Jesus is not God. So so when the Christian talks about God as Father, we're talking specifically about God eternally begetting the Son, mm-hmm. a la Psalm 2, this eternal past, this present manifestation of the eternally past begottenness of the Son. T- t- today, You are my Son, today I have begotten you. Uh, th- th- so, so when we speak of God as Father, we're talking about Jesus. And uh, the begottenness of the Son. When when Prager talks about God as Father, he has to pick it up as some sort of picture, so that for for the Jewish conviction, fatherliness can really only have to do with giving the law, whereas we would understand that fatherliness is found in its fullness in the, in the, these giving of gifts to the Son and this and essentially the giving of the Son to the world. Um, so it's very it's a very different theological conviction and and it makes sense to me that the the best prager can do is the moral argument you got to mm-hmm. have a dad mm-hmm. so god will be the got to have a but we we have a lot more to say than that interesting um yeah so i mean so, so oftentimes christians think well this this is this is why that term just kind of irritates me <laughs> You hear it a lot. It's uh, uh, you know, Judeo-Christian values. Ugh. I mean, I I understand what people mean there, but it it we almost sometimes think that okay, um, b- before Jesus came, it was just kind of a generic God, and then all of a sudden, we we have the introduction of the the doctrine of the Trinity, and now you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But as you just said, um, that the 
uh, second person of the Trinity and the third person of the Trinity exists from all eternity, uh, as, as well as the first, of course. So the, we have uh, uh, the three persons and one God without beginning, without end. I mean, I think the Athanasian Creed points this out most um, most articulately, that, 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 that the Son has always been the Son even before being born of the Virgin Mary. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes we forget that. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. So Father and Son are eternal attributes because of the eternal generation of the second person of the Trinity. This is this is good for us to think about. So um, when we say God is Father, we're not talking to some sort of abstract thing. He's the Father because he has begotten a Son. And that's not only something that's accidental, but in fact it's something that's essential to him. So you and I, for example, were not fathers at some point because we had not begotten any children, and then we begat children and became fathers but god the father is eternally the father so it's for him it's his office is also one of his attributes mm. but but only the christian can confess that right and we and we ought to so we ought to confess it with great joy there's a, i mean there's a reason then that we that we can we can talk about judeo christian values but we can't talk about judeo christian gospel i mean you you can't talk about judeo christian good news that doesn't that exists. You, we might have some commonality on the rules of life, but but when you get to the doctrine and theology, there's no Judeo-Christian theology, for example, because they are incredibly distinct. Right, right. Good. All right. Well, we need to go to our voicemail system and listen okay. to a few voicemails. Church signs and bub stickers. Here's the first one. Church sign on a crossroads community church. Cars are not the only thing recalled by their maker. All right. Cars are not the only things recalled by their maker. Hmm. That seems slightly obscu- uh, like a slightly obscure pun, unless it's like in Detroit or somewhere. <laughs> well, uh, seems like, I don't know. May- the problem is that we always push these metaphors too far, but... Usually, when a car company recalls a car, it's because something is defective. Um, are we to say then that the maker, being God, has made a defective product that must be recalled, or should we say that? Uh, I, I remember sometime one time someone said, "You know, God did a a really bad job designing the human back. You know, this this fellow had a lot of back pains, and uh, apparently through a lot of hard work." Uh, his his back has failed him and and caused him a lot of pain, and in his view, he was just doing what God gave him to do, and the result was a bad back. Uh, but I would wonder is it is it the fault of the Creator uh, when we suffer things like back pain at, at the end of a long life, uh, or is it a result of sin that humanity has uh, put themselves into, and even we ourselves, not just inherited sin from Adam and Eve, but that we would be even willing participators in that sin. Um, right. So it, it's hard to blame the creator at, at a, as, a, as, a faulty, uh, as a faulty product <laughs> when we're the ones sinning against a, a holy God. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, that's right. It's, uh, if, if, back, if the back was not designed properly, then, I mean, then maybe everything, because everything breaks down. You, eventually we all die. I don't know if you noticed that, but eventually yeah. you, everything is kaput. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
so so that's right. I was listening to you know one of my favorite guys quickly becoming one of my favorite guys to listen to is this guy Ravi Zacharias. Oh, you know dang. that guy? I was hoping you were gonna say me. Okay, yeah, I know him. Well, you've you've for a long time <laughs> been at the top of that list. What does Ravi Zacharias have on Evan Gagline? <laughs> Except for his awesome Indian accent, and he tells these stories, and he pronounces his S's like this. I can do that, too. It's in Delhi, and reading some Sanskrit. Anyway, what about him? He's talking about how it's only the Christian worldview that can account, actually, for sin. There's no other worldview that can do it. There's no other way to account for it. We, we have a, an accounting for the bad things in the world, and it's the fall. We, we have a way to say that this is... We, this is not how things were designed to be, but it is how things are. It's the result of something perfect but broken. And our backs, along with the rest of us, are the result of something perfect and broken. That's mm. the it's what accounts for it. So, yeah. What are we talking about? This church sign that God... Rec I think this is talking about the Judgment Day, mm -hmm. though. God mm -hmm. is going to call you to stand before him. And, and, uh, and I do think that this is true, the Judgment Day, that... Now, I mean... Of course it's true that we're all going to stand before God to be judged. But I think it's something that we need to talk about more because we, if, I think it's one way to understand everything that's going on around us is people are prepping for the judgment day without even knowing what they're doing. And so we just point it out to people that we're, you're prepping for the judgment day, but you don't even, hmm. you don't even know you're doing it. But it is, what you, it is what you're doing. Subconsciously, we all know we have to face that great day. I heard this. How about this? Do we have time to talk about this kind of stuff? Oh, sure. Why, why do I feel? pressure that someone i was reading um what's that guy called that you're supposed to hate doug wilson you know doug wilson <laughs> I, yeah i know doug wilson he and he's supposed uh, to hate him but okay yeah you're supposed to hate that guy okay, got uh, it, got it. i don't i kind of like him i mean <laughs> i don't know what's happening to me that i'm starting to like all these people who are not lutheran i'm yeah. suspicious of myself yeah, yeah but doug wilson what did he he said okay you gotta th this is his exposition of the text in romans where it says the gentiles are a law to themselves Let's, say, let's just say that God installed a little listening device that hung around each one of our necks and recorded everything that we said, and every time that we issued a moral judgment against another person, that was recorded. And every moral judgment that we've ever used toward another person was then condensed down into a law that would be used to judge us. Hmm. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Mm. Ooh, boy. Now, that's what Paul's talking about when he says that the Gentiles are a law to themselves, the judgment that they use to judge others. They don't even stand up against so that all of us are guilty. And we know this intrinsically, and so we're busy trying to build the case for us to stand on Judgment Day. That's what the lawyer was doing when he came to Jesus. Remember the Good Samaritan thing? He says, who's my neighbor? He's trying to build this case that he's lived according to the law. Love your neighbors yourself. Of course he's failed to do it, but he, he thinks he can weasel out of it by limiting the people he's supposed to love. And hmm. Jesus doesn't let him, but this is the this is what we're all up to. And Jesus comes and he says, he says, "Stop it! Look, you you cannot justify yourself. You, it is necessary for you to be justified by me." Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we have time for one more, just uh, about a minute here. Good morning, okay. pastors. I have a song for Oops. you guys. I Sorry, well, we'll save that for prayer. Church sign on a disciples of Christ. Spring has sprung. Will your faith blossom? Ah, that's cute. <laughs> uh, spring I'm use has that sprung. I think that sounds like a good oh, name for a song or a. We poem. haven't learned about the uh, the the church sign at St. Paul's yet. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> one of them says, uh, "Pastor Knuckles." 
<laughs> I like it. I like they, where this is They going. were thinking about changing it, but they didn't want to scare people away, so they're thinking they might just leave it. How about that for nice. Switch? I like it. I like it. All right. So just about 20 seconds here. Spring has sprung. Will your faith flourish? Uh, yeah. You know what the, the sign for spring is? Hmm. I just did it. Oh, gotcha. That's pretty funny. I forgot about the signing thing. That was that was a joke three segments ago. I had already moved on. Yeah, Mark. Uh, will your faith flourish? Look, our faith flourishes when it rejoices in Christ. So Amen. hopefully it doesn't have to do with spring or summer. All right. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where we are very enthusiastic to be back. Oh, that's my buzzword. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Table I, Talk Radio. Table Talk it? Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your Ichthus. pastor before not listening to Table problem. Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, alicosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.